This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. Let's pray. Lord God, pour out your Holy Spirit on us and help us to receive your word of truth and change our hearts and lives so that you may be glorified. Lord God, as, as we come to you today, you, you bring one of these truths to us that you don't show favoritism. Lord God, we thank you that you don't show favoritism because it means you're all in, in our own individual lives. Lord, thank you for your powerful and saving love in Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. A recent college graduate, a a woman got her teaching job right out of school. Along with her, four other women, recent college graduates, got their same teaching job at that school as well, same time. In addition to those five women, three other men, again, brand new teachers are hired by this school in this school district. Everything's going along great as as the year goes on, but then the district determines that because of budget cuts, they're actually going to have to shut down one of the schools in the district. That means there's going to be a surplus of teachers, right? Not long after the district determined that they were going to have to shut down one of the schools, uh, the woman that was hired and the other four women that were hired, they were put on improvement plans. Improvement plans are, are when the teacher's instructional ability or quality isn't quite satisfactory. The, the women were put on the improvement plans and, and not the, the new men teachers, even though the women's evaluations up to this point in time had been nothing but satisfactory or higher. I wonder, do you know where this is going? Do you know how this is going to turn out? You know, if you said that the women were all going to be non-renewed in their contracts, you were right. Okay, You're right. That's a true story. Uh, but that, that happened out there, right? That, that happened out in the world, something like that. That would, you know, that would never happen in the church, would it? In a previous congregation, I served full of really, really great people, right? In a previous congregation where I served, my associate and I, the, the pastors, we received a, a health insurance plan as a part of our compensation package. This church also had a school that was connected with it. The male teachers also got health insurance policies as a part of their compensation package. I'm wondering, do you know how this is going? The women teachers did not receive a health insurance policy as a part of their compensation package. I wish I could tell you that uh, on year one, when I walked in there, that we changed all that up right away. 
but I, I do want you to know that by the grace of God and, and a lot of tears and a lot of prayers and a, and a lot of forgiveness that that congregation, by the time I left, they did express their love for Christ in a better way than they had before. And they did extend health insurance policies to the women teachers as well. But really? As you know, as you know, this isn't the first instance in history where women have been treated differently. If we go back in time, in ancient times, in the Athenian world, when a, a respectable uh, Athenian wife, when her husband had male friends come over, do you know what that Athenian woman got to do? I bet because of our culture, you said, oh, I bet she got to serve the men. <laughs> but that's not what happened. And whether for better or for worse, this is what happened when uh, the husband had her male, his male friends come over. The, the Athenian wife got to uh, go to her room and stay there until the men left. In the Greek world, this discrimination against women started early on. Little girls were not allowed to go to school. And Aristotle said, hey, silence gives grace to women. Plato, right? Uh, some of you know about Plato, right? And uh, on university campuses, Plato is, uh, and you know, and his teachings are often set up uh, against Christianity. <clears throat> this is what Plato says. It's only males who are created directly by the gods and are given souls. So there's that guy, right? Right? Only males are created by God, by the gods, and they're given souls, and so women don't have souls. In fact, in that day and in that setting of Plato and things like that, there were men and women, and the, and the women were reincarnated men who lived messed up lives. In the Talmud, a, a book of rabbinical Jewish laws and, and things, uh, it tells us that women weren't allowed to testify in court because their testimony is not trustworthy. Today, as, as Pastor Ben mentioned, uh, we're continuing our series, Before You Lose Your Faith. Right. And we're looking at some of the, the cultural norms and, and some of the injustices that are going around in our world, in our lives, and we're comparing them with the teachings of Jesus. And, and, I, and I do believe, and the Holy Spirit will help here and, and things, I do believe that what you're seeing already in this series and what you will see is that not only is Christianity true, but it is good, good for all people 
And today again, we're looking at it, understand and good for all women and all men. So it's true that some people have stepped away from Christianity or have stayed away from Christianity because of either real or perceived mistreatment of women. Okay. And while the scriptures are clear that there are differences between men and women, to elevate one gender over the other is completely unscriptural. Completely unscriptural. And so while women have been, just being honest, mistreated almost from the beginning, it wasn't that way in the beginning. It wasn't that way. It was not meant to be that way from the beginning. And so let's go back again. We did this two weeks ago, but let's go back again to the beginning and see how God set it up so we're sure that we're building on the right foundation. So first book of the Bible, it says, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Male and female created in the image of God. All people have an intrinsic value before God. That's the foundation. That's the worth, the value, the foundational worth and value from the very beginning. That was God's intention. That's how God sees it. And so as, as we look at our culture, previous cultures, and, and, and into our own hearts, right? We, we need to understand that if we have ever disrespected, demeaned, or devalued anyone, we've actually been disrespecting, demeaning, and devaluing God because all people were created in the image of God. I don't know about you, but I have a hunch that you are like me and you have disrespected, demeaned and devalued God because of the way that you've treated, if you're like me, unfortunately, other people. People. But the teachings of Christianity are revolutionary. Jesus comes in and addresses the inequality in his day and in our day on many occasions in the scriptures. And we're going to look at one such account today the account of Jesus and the Samaritan woman. So let's go into God's word, John chapter four. Says, now he, Jesus, 
had to go through Samaria. And so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. Okay. So, so just a little bit of a context here. Jesus is Jewish, right? His disciples are Jewish. They come to Samaria. Back in that day, Jews didn't go through Samaria. That wasn't the norm. They would walk around. Okay, they would walk around Samaria. They wouldn't go through it. But scripture says here, Jesus had to go through Samaria. There's a divine appointment that's gonna happen, all right? So Jesus is going through Samaria. His disciples, his followers, they're following Jesus. They know this in their mind, in their way of thinking, this isn't good, okay? The, the Jews and the Samaritans were at odds. They were enemies. They didn't get along in any way, shape, or form. This was just weird. So Jesus is going through Samaria. The disciples are following him, and they're going, oh, man, this can't be good. Okay? This can't be good. They, they're holding on to their bags a little tighter. They're holding on to their staffs a little tighter. You know what I'm talking about, right? Their head's on a swivel. They're feeling really awkward a little antsy. And they get to this well outside this, this town and, and Jesus is tired from the journey. It's noon, it's hot out in the desert sun and, and he sits down by the well. And the disciples are like, you know, because they want, they want to take care of Jesus. They don't have any problem with that. You know, he's tired. We're in Samaria. Let's get into that town. Let's get some food. Let's buy some food. Bring it back to Jesus. Have him eat it so he gets rejuvenated and nourished. Then we can get the heck out of Samaria, right? So they take off and they leave Jesus all alone at the well. And he's there all alone at the well until he's not. Here comes a Samaritan out into the desert. I remember evil, wrong, bad people, all that. And not only is it a Samaritan, but it's a, a Samaritan woman. And it's noon. And, and do understand again, um, that wasn't the common practice to go out at noon for water. It's hot, right? The, the women would go out normally in the cool of the day, in the, in the morning time, to serve their families by getting water from the well. And then this would also be their community time, their, their friendship time, their, their meeting one another in the school parking lot time, their time to talk and fellowship together. But this woman wasn't a part of that because she was an outcast even from the other Samaritan women. And so she's going out to the well all alone because she knows she's an outcast. She's going to the well at noon all alone because she doesn't, she don't want to see anybody because she knows, she, you know, they're just going to rip on her and things like that. And and she looks up, and there's somebody at the well. 
And as she gets closer, it's, it's a Jewish guy at the well. And she's thinking to herself, can it get any worse? Yeah, I'm already worthless. I'm already on the curb. And there's this Jewish guy. And if he says anything to me, he's just gonna cuss me out. He probably won't even look at me, but he'll just say all these bad things about me and about, about Samaritan women and, and all that stuff. It'll be just really clear he's talking to me because there isn't anyone else there. Or maybe better or maybe worse, he won't say anything at all. He'll just pretend I'm not there, that I'm invisible. Do you know anyone who's ever felt Invisible. So there she comes. Jesus knows what's in her head, just culturally. He, he knows, besides being God, he knows what's going on. But Jesus sees her She's not invisible. She's eternally valuable. And Jesus begins a conversation with her. See, when Jesus went into Samaria, he's crossing all kinds of lines cultural lines, ethnic lines, and now, and now talking with this woman, gender lines and, and everything. He, he doesn't have any problem crossing any of those lines because he knows that she is eternally valuable. And so he begins a, a conversation with her. And what's so cool about this conversation with her, I don't know if you caught it or not, but Jesus puts this woman above him. He says to the woman, in effect, I need you. I have needs that you can meet. I need you. Will you give me a drink? And the woman responds, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? See, the, the woman is flabbergasted. She's suspicious. She's on the defensive. She's on edge because of the way she's been treated by everybody. But I, I want you to know that her woundedness will not keep Jesus from meeting her where she is at. And so Jesus continues on the conversation. And I want you to know that this conversation, this dialogue between Jesus and the Samaritan woman is the longest recorded conversation between Jesus and anyone in the whole book of John. And he goes on and he says, Jesus answered her, 
If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Do you see what Jesus has done in this conversation? He's, he's flipped the conversation. He went from, I need you, to I have something you need. Do you see how much he loves her? I have something you need. She's not disposable. She's not invisible. She's eternally valuable. She doesn't get that quite yet. But Jesus isn't through with the conversation quite yet either. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, yeah, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you've just said is quite true. And now we know why she wasn't going out with the other women to the well, right? She had a bad reputation that she came by honestly, meaning in her own actions. They didn't want any part of her. They didn't trust her. And Jesus goes right into that. Goes right into her sinful lifestyle, confronts her with it. Not to condemn her, but to get to the bottom of what she really needed for her heart and her life. What she needed was unfailing forgiveness and unconditional love. Do you know of anyone who needs unfailing forgiveness and unconditional love? Again, she doesn't fully yet get who Jesus is, but she's catching on that this guy must be from God. And so she says, sir, the woman said, I, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. 
Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. In the presence of Jesus, this woman who had gone out to the well feeling worthless, unaccepted, running from herself and without hope is now starting to feel accepted and hopeful. And into that hopefulness. Jesus does something he rarely does throughout the entire New Testament. Jesus, to this Samaritan woman, clearly reveals to her who he is. Her Savior, the Savior of the world, he says, then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. He's right there by the Samaritan woman, face to face. And he says to her, I'm your savior. I'm gonna pay for your sins. Those sins we talked about, (laughs) I'm gonna pay for them. You can't pay for them, I got them. They're mine. I'm gonna pay for your sins. I'm your savior. I'm gonna go and prepare a place for you. For you to live forever. I'll be with you always. You will never be alone. You are never gonna be invisible. I'll be with you always. Because I love you. You're eternally valuable. The woman is shocked and full of deep joy. She's frozen in that moment in time. She's talking face to face with her Savior. She can't move. She's just frozen there for a minute. And along come the disciples. And as they're looking, as they're walking toward the well, they they can see that there's two people there. There's Jesus and and someone else. That's kind of weird at noon. Someone else is at the well. And as they they get closer, it's Jesus and and a Samaritan woman. And as they get a little closer, they can hear that Jesus is actually talking with her, having a conversation with her. 
And they're thinking to themselves, this is awkward. And, and, and they're, they're probably embarrassed for Jesus because they caught him talking with her. And they arrive and the woman is quiet and, you know, just frozen in that joy and awe. And then all of a sudden she takes off. And the disciples are going, I don't know what that was all about. See, the encounter of Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well was not a chance meeting. It was a divine appointment. Jesus had to go to Samaria. He had to confront the lies that she was believing. He had to share with her that she is eternally valuable. He had to share with her that he was her savior and that he loved her forever and for always. Maybe some of you know the rest of the story. This woman who had gone to the the well desperate for grace and mercy, received that grace and mercy and it forever changed her. And, And she ran back into town and she was forever changed. She ran back into town. Remember, I told you she got around. She got around and she shared that encounter that she had with Jesus who was, you know, with everybody who was there. And a whole lot of people came to faith because of her testimony. And a whole lot of people ran to the well and heard from Jesus himself. And and they believed not only the woman's testimony, but they they believed Jesus as well. You see, this, this woman was forever changed. And this woman who went worthless and unaccepted in her sight to the, to the well comes back forgiven, dearly loved and is if not the first evangelist in the Christian church she's right up there in the first handful eternally valuable. Many lives were changed forever. The account of the Samaritan woman is an account of need, of truth, of forgiveness, of of mercy, of value, of love, of acceptance and hope. Redemption, the very thing you and I need as well. Jesus is good for all people, all people. And so you know, right, Jesus knows all about 
injustice. He knows all about inequality. He knows all about being treated unfairly. He knows all about being disrespected, demeaned, and devalued because he experienced all those things. And not just from those people that lived way back then, but he experienced all those things because of me, because of you. And yet Jesus tells us today, I am your savior. I'll pay for all those sins because you're eternally valuable. And I love you today. I'll love you forever. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your unfailing forgiveness and your unconditional love for that Samaritan woman at the well. Thank you, Jesus, for for not showing favoritism because that shows us that just as you treated that Samaritan woman, so also you treat each of us individually with unfailing forgiveness and unconditional love. Lord, help us to love other people like you've loved us. Help us to love other people just like you've loved us with unfailing forgiveness and unconditional love. We ask this in your holy and precious name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.